We are supported by FNX Fit. FNX is a workout and supplement company that is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality. FNX has high quality protein powders, creatine, and pre-workout supplements. FNX has also got amazing workout gear such as tees and tanks, an essential joggers line, and of course, shaker bottles. Not only is FNX Fit selling great products, but they have an even better message. FNX has launched their live program with every FNX order. They are donating a portion of each product bought and helping deliver clean drinking water in countries of need. Go to the special link in the description below and use our promo code DREWCODE15 to get 15% off your purchase when you use our link. And don't forget, we become greater when we rise together. What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in Clovis, California, in his living room, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. This is February 10th. We are coming at you with a brand new Drew Code episode. Yes, that is correct. There's two co-hosts now on this show. Uh, Drew is back from his coaching endeavors. I can't wait to hear all about it. Uh, we have a super jam-packed episode, guys. We have Super Bowl predictions, NBA trade deadline stuff going on. We have so much to talk about, Drew. But before we get started, do not forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. Follow us on social media. All the links in the description. I cannot wait for this any longer. Drew, how you been, man? What's what's new? What's going on? <sighs> I've been good, man. <laughs> Sorry, I needed the deep breath. Um, this was the first day in like... Um, like two months that I haven't had anything to do. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, I was home like all day today and I was like, dude, this is weird. <laughs> um, even though I did end up going to Singer West anyway. Um, and as Cody has been gracious enough to uh, kind of been saying on the podcast, I have actually started coaching. I was coaching uh, girls basketball, JV girls basketball uh an assistant coach so let's not get too crazy it's a foot in the door man um but um you know it was it was a whole lot of fun and and i'm glad that i asked uh uh, coach sell um if if he would allow me to help him out because he was literally the only coach that was by himself everyone else had you know three or four extra coaches and he was the only one who uh, who didn't have anyone um and granted you know there were there's not too many girls on the team but um you know i was like hey do you need help like uh-huh. he was like yes i do <laughs> so i'm very glad that i i asked him i'm very glad that uh, he allowed me um to go up there and and uh, help out with practices and you know and and i kind of knew what i was getting myself into but i didn't mm-hmm. because it, i didn't realize you know, how much time and effort you really need to put in. Um, so definitely still learning mm-hmm. on that. But uh, for sure, I'm so glad that I did it. This is something that I've been wanting to do for so long. This is something that my parents have always told me that I should try and do. Um, you have told me that I should always do that. My wife has 
figured I was going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so like she just was like, yeah, I'm I'm surprised it took this long to to get you in there. So I'm really happy that I got the chance to and and uh, you know, as coach Sell at least he told me, uh you know, I don't know how true it is, of course. Uh because I I'm a negative person. Uh, but he told me because uh, one of the the varsity uh, head coach for the girls basketball, she was like, "Hey, so are you are you going to be coaching next year?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm hoping to. It's really up to Coach Sell." And uh-huh. and he came over and he was like, "I'm. Let me reassure you, sir. Uh, you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you're not allowed to go anywhere. Yes, uh, you are going to be there." So I said, "All right, all right." <laughs> so that's uh, really cool, really really cool, and it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, yeah. and I'm glad that I was. I was able to be a part of this and uh, apparently they're going to be doing like some spring practices and some summer ball. And coach sell said, you are definitely going to be there and uh, I'll probably need a lot of help from you. So I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. So, well, that's awesome. So it's been good. Well, congrats yeah. on your first, I think you started like midway through the season. So you came, you came in yeah. when the season was already halfway over. And so full disclosure, I actually got to catch one of your games. I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. I got to yeah. see not only you do the announcing at the, at basically the booth um, or booth <laughs> or the table, whatever it was, by the way, yeah. hold on before sidetrack, that facility is gorgeous. So yeah, I know that nobody's going to know where Sanger is. It's basically in the, in a country area, but mm-hmm. this Sanger West high school is a gorgeous place. And it's specifically the gym. Cause when Haley and I went uh, we actually walked in at the same time as the referees walked in and uh, one of the referees goes, holy shoot, this place is nice. <laughs> and it was, it was really funny. So I got to see you not only both kind of do some semi coaching, cause I know you can only do so much from the table. Uh, yeah. But then I also got to hear you do your, your gig, which got you in the door in the first place, which was announcing, which was really, really cool. Yeah. So I've been telling you this on Marco Polo every time you tell me, but I'm extremely proud of you, dude. And I'm really glad that you got this opportunity because what people don't know is when my son was into sports, you were a big component of helping him get ready and coach and giving him advice and stuff. And of course, like with athletes uh, to their parents, they'll sometimes kind of take it all in. But when there's somebody that they trust, there's a lot more information that gets retained. And especially when he did baseball, uh, you know, you, you showed him a lot of stuff that helped him be like one of the better players on the field. This was like when he was really young. And so I knew that that you were bound for this. I'm just really glad it finally happened. So again, man, I tell you, extremely proud of you, man. You guys had a hell of a season and I cannot wait to hear more Marco Polos of spring practice, summer practice (laughs) and the tip off of the season, man. Cause I know you're going to be grinding out again and I cannot wait to get those videos. So I just want to tell you, I appreciate you, dude. Yeah. So, um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, this is actually breaking news because I haven't even told you this yet, but um, I got a text from the, from the AD of Singer West um, and he was asking me if I, if I would be willing to announce baseball Ooh, and I said, there we go. I said, H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and he hasn't said anything else after that. So, okay. I mean, it's not a guaranteed thing, but I'm sure they want me to do it. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really cool because. I did football and I got a lot of people saying, Oh, you know, good job. You did a, you really, I really like your calls. I really like your touchdown call Mm -hmm. or I like how you called this. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It was a lot of like faculty and I was like, you know, they're just smoke, you know, blowing smoke up my ass here. Yeah. So, um, but 
and then uh you know basketball i what has really and i'm sorry this is going a little long but um in basketball i got a lot of the boys basketball team uh jv or varsity and then the girls as well they were like i i was telling the girls at least at least today i was like you know i'm they're like, so you're going to do announcing next year? And I was like, well, I might do it for the boys, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it for the girls because I'm going to I'm going to be coaching. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, do you know what I mean to coach? They're like, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. We're saying like, we want you to do the announcing. We really like how you do the announcing. And I was like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, we love it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> thank you very much. And I've even had some parents come up to me and say that they really appreciate the way that I had a lot of positivity, even if we were getting, you know, our butts whooped in a game Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and they said that their kid even was like really thankful because like when they scored, even if it was like, you know, not saying this is an actual score, but even if it was like 60 to 20 Mm -hmm. and they scored a bucket, they were really appreciative that I still had the same energy, even if it was like zero, zero you know, or if the score was flipped around. So um, that really meant a lot to me as well. And I've had uh, some referees even say, hey, man, you're doing a really good job here. And so it's been nice. It's It's been a lot of love uh, coming my way. And it's uh, it's crazy. I didn't I was so <laughs> nervous about doing this. And, um, you know, from what I've been hearing, I've been doing a pretty good job. So I, I appreciate everyone giving me the love and support on that. And uh, I appreciate you even coming out to one of the games, uh, football and basketball now. And, um, you know, just kind of checking it out. And, you know, it's funny you were talking about the facility that you saw. Yeah. That's actually going to be the um, the middle schools. Oh, gym. wow. That's not even going to be the high school gym. It is. So the high school gym is going to be even nicer <laughs> once they uh, end up getting that all the way built. So. Yeah. I mean, it is a beautiful facility and still drew. I I don't want to be the one to make it seem like I'm blowing smoke up your bum as well, but I can agree with everybody. You do a really good job at those calls, especially when we went to the football game. And I think that too, because it was a close game and you were making some crazy calls, like for touchdowns and stuff, it was really enjoyable. Even basketball. I think uh, your JV girls, they were down at one point at halftime. It can't kind of came back in the second half on the game I went to. So there was still some energy there. But truthfully, dude, like you do do a really good job on the mic. And I know that you'll have to figure out what you want to do between those two occupations. But uh, I mean, honestly, dude, you're made to do it like you do it really, really well. And also to to peep more behind the curtain for those folks, too. I still remember getting your polos that you're going to practice. So that way you're as polished and as well, like versed as possible. And it shows, man, it's not like you go in there, like not knowing what to do. You're very, very good at it. So just. You know, I know that I'm just another person that's, uh, you know, trying to blow smoke up your bum, but you do a really good job, man. Like flat out, you do good. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll we'll talk more about how the season went and stuff. And so I'll get into it a little bit more. But uh, I do appreciate all that. And I appreciate you holding down the Drew Code Fort for a while. Um, I felt bad cause I really wanted to do it and I kind of was like leaning on you to, <laughs> to do whatever. And of course I was like, of course it's getting closer to the Super Bowl, and I can't do anything right now. So, uh, we tried to get a episode in and well, here we are. That's so right. Let's, uh, let's get started. So, all right, Drew, kick <laughs> us off, bud. 
All right, uh, forgive me if I botch this, but uh, so <laughs> Super Bowl 57. Wow, God, I, I just, I remember like Super Bowl 38, 39, that's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> just aged myself way more. But anyway, that I was, I'm looking at the notes right now. I'm like, is that right? Is it literally 57? But yeah, yeah. it is. So Super Bowl 57, we have the Eagles and Chiefs. Um, you know, two teams that, um, well, I, you know, I had before the playoffs had started, um, well, I guess as the regular season ended, the playoffs started, um, we had done our predictions on who we thought was going to make it to uh, the Super Bowl. You had the Eagles and Bengals, and I had the Chiefs and the Niners. So obviously we were wrong on one, but right on the other. So um, I think that's a that's a half pat on the back for us. <laughs> But yeah, there you go. Good job. Um, but yeah, you know, th- this is this has been a a a really interesting playoff run. Um, you know, I I feel like the Niners kind of got derailed early because Brock Purdy got hurt, and then Josh Johnson went down mm-hmm. and basically relied on a totally. Um, I would say maybe 25% Brock Purdy. Like it just, he couldn't throw the ball and it, it just felt really bad. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of wind out of the sails of the 49ers. And who knows, the Eagles still could have won that game. I think they were talented enough to still win that game, even if Brock Purdy was on his game. But at the same time, you know, I had predicted that I thought the Niners were going to win because of head coach and defense. Mm-hmm. And then I had Jalen Hurts over. So... Just a crazy playoff uh, situation. Like a lot of people were picking the Bills. The Bills didn't look that great, mm-hmm. and now a lot of people are saying, you know, the Bills they may have missed their opportunities to get into the Super Bowl. Now, yeah. uh, now we'll see what they do in the draft and in free agency. There's still plenty of stuff to uh, for the Bills to be able to do, but it'll be interesting to see. So. A lot of stuff going on, uh, you know, the Cowboys, there's talks with that. So there, there's a lot that was going on. But I think the two teams that should have got in, obviously, who both of these teams are the number one seeds in both of the conferences, uh, AFC and NFC. So uh, I guess in a in a perfect world, I guess this is the right teams to be in because they did it in the regular season and they also proved it in in the postseason. So Cody, um, I think you you've already done your prediction, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. On who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. So Cody has the Eagles winning and I had picked the Chiefs. And I always do my whole, you know, okay, who's the better head coach? Well I'm going to pick Andy Reid in this because mm-hmm. he's done it longer and he's really good. Um, you know, all right, who's the better quarterback? Well, I'd go with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I don't think anyone, and you know, he did just win his second MVP right yeah. now. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, who's the better defense? I would probably lean towards the Eagles mm-hmm. because I think they have an all around, uh, I would say great defense. I think that defense is stellar. And I've been hearing a lot of people saying, oh, that Eagles defense isn't that good because, um, you know, they're they've been facing a lot of like below average quarterbacks listen they were in a very competitive division whether we want to admit it or not Mm -hmm. are the quarterbacks fantastic in that division i'll give you that no they're not 
But at the same time, those defenses are not easy to beat in that division. And then also, just because you it looks like you have an easy schedule doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought the Lions weren't going to be that good, and look at what they did. They they were on borderline a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So you just never know what's what's going to happen. So I like the Eagles' defense a lot better. Um, I think secondary pass rushing and their linebackers are probably, I would say their linebackers are probably the weakest point. But, um, and I would say the Chiefs probably have a barely edge on that, Mm -hmm. but that's it. I don't think the Chiefs come close in the secondary or the pass rush minus Chris Jones, of course. So anyway, so Cody, we're going to, because we already know who our predictions are, um, I'm going to ask you what your three keys to victory is for the Eagles to become Super Bowl 57 champs. All right. So just essentially what you alluded to in your last point uh, regarding the defenses where you sided with the Eagles. Um, I'm actually going to say that one of the keys to victory for the Eagles is going to be their pressure defense throughout the season. They had 70 sacks. I know Hassan Reddick has been basically uh, their most predominant uh, defensive end who has gotten the most sacks. But again, they do have a, fierce uh interior line and they also have graham on the other opposite end of reddick so i look for um the eagles pressure defense to get to mahomes because the last time there was a pressure defense that mahomes had to face in tampa bay uh, he didn't do so great they got him out of the pocket made him uncomfortable and he threw into uh difficult coverages because you know essentially tampa bay at the time took away the deep ball and i expect the eagles to play very similar to that so One key to victory for me for the Eagles is their pressure defense. The second one for me, again, regarding defense, is the secondary. I think that the secondary needs to play lights out. They have two arguably number one type cornerbacks on the team in Bradbury and uh, Darius Slay. And I think that those two need to essentially make their presence known and make Patrick Mahomes work. What's going to be difficult for this defense is like what you said, the linebacking core isn't great, so Travis Kelsey is probably going to get a lot of targets and get a lot of catches, but I am hoping that the Eagles secondary essentially takes out the receivers for, um, for uh, the chiefs in order to kind of keep them in a shorter game. uh, And then, you know, hopefully they can just control a little bit more in the line of scrimmage from there. And the third thing, the third thing I think is probably the most important is Jalen hurts and his ability to throw the ball down the field. I think, One of the things I'm looking for in Jalen Hurts is to make sure that he makes smart plays. I think if he plays the way that he's been playing all season, running the ball, especially getting Miles Sanders involved, his RPO action, getting that involved, uh, finding A.J. Brown and hitting the open man or Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard. I think if this offense rolls the way that they've been rolling all season, the Eagles will win this game because I think the Eagles defense plays better uh, with a lead. And I know that the chiefs love playing from behind so they can play either way. But I do think that it does change the dynamic of the game plan for the chiefs when the Eagles get out ahead. And I think that only happens with Jalen hurts, making smart plays, not turning the ball over, um, not overthinking things like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pull the ball down and run, then just run. If that's your first instinct, if you're going to, if you're going to take it to your second read, then, then go there. But when you get too cute, when you overthink, that's when you make mistakes. And I think for the Eagles to win, Jalen Hurts is going to have to keep playing smart the way he's been playing all season. And I have no doubt if they just, if the Eagles play their game and that defense comes to work, 
I think that they will be Super Bowl champions at the end of the game. What's going on, everybody? This is Cody with Drew Code Sports Talk. We are proud to announce that Drew Code is a proud member of the Fanatics affiliate program. If you don't know what Fanatics is, Fanatics is a one-of-a-kind, unique sports apparel website that sells officially licensed NFL, NBA, MLB, college sports, and WWE gear. Fanatics is where all your favorite leagues and teams are available to buy. Drew and I, of course, are diehard Raiders fans and Giants fans, so of course, we are going to Fanatics com to get all of the latest gear for our teams to be the most represented right now you can click the link in the description below to purchase your favorite team's officially licensed gear now follow us on social media and get the latest news on discounts and promos we'll see you there i think those are good points um I have no issues with them. You know, I think you, I think you did a great job, man. Way to go. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I just wanted to make it sound like I was going to disagree. No. Um, <clears throat> my three keys, I think, are pretty simple. And, you know, is it that in-depth? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think this is what most people are kind of going into this game, thinking that the Chiefs are going to need. But I'm going to reiterate them and maybe – Maybe I am telling you something that you didn't know. So first first things first here, Mahomes needs to start fast. Patrick Mahomes, um, the last, well, the two, the last two, the two Super Bowls he has been in, um, he really didn't get going. I, I feel like he was outplayed for two and a half, maybe even three quarters. Um, he was outplayed by Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. And in his first Super Bowl. And of course, in the fourth quarter, you know, he came back and, and won, as we all know. And then in the second Super Bowl he was in, exactly what you said, he was having to play hero ball the whole time. And he was absolutely under duress the whole time. There was no time for him to throw. Um, and then when he did have time to throw, he'd hit receivers right in the face mask and they couldn't catch it. Um, so Mahomes needs to start fast. He needs to get going quick. So I think um, typically you, what we see is you want to establish a run game. You want to establish, okay, yes, in, in a typical regular season game, you want to establish the run game. But I think in a Super Bowl, and especially when you have the MVP of the NFL this year, let Mahomes go. Let him, uh, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to having him, I mean, depending on how long the drive is having him throw like 10 times in the, in the first drive. Like, you know, you can throw a few screen passes. You can throw a, a quick few, like, you know, two yard curls, three yard curls here and there or ins or outs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, for the most part, you can really, um, <clears throat> you can really get Mahomes into a groove real early. And like I said, even if they're short passes, It'll get him to be like, okay, I'm going to calm down. It's the Super Bowl. Because I feel like if they start with the run, yes, that is nice. But if the run game isn't, I don't think the run game is consistent for the Chiefs. So I think what is going to help the run game is actually Patrick Mahomes being hot. And then later on in the game and, and later in the drive or whatever, you can then start trying to establish that run a little bit more because then you're taking less pressure off of a rookie who's Isaiah Pacheco and you're taking less pressure off Jarek McKinnon, who's more of the receiving back. Uh, But even so when he does run, he's, he's 
he's a really good um, he's a really good ball um, runner there and and um, I, I just I just think that Mahomes going starting fast is going to be the is going to be the first key that I would look for. The second key is you're going to have to make uh, Jalen Hurts uncomfortable. You have to. Chris Jones is going to have to have a game. Mm-hmm. Um, do I do I doubt that he will? No, I think I think even though this Eagles offense offensive line is really good, I do think that Chris Jones is just that much better. Um, I do think that there's going to be a lot of times where he is going to be contained too. So this is going to put pressure on the other uh, defense alignment. But I do feel like uh, Chris Jones will probably at least have a sack and a half mm-hmm. in this game. So if you're a betting man, I'm sure that's one of <laughs> and that's got to be a bet somewhere, either a half sack or a sack and a half. So that's what I would bet. I would probably bet the uh, if it's a if it's one sack, I would probably bet the under mm-hmm. uh, if it's a, if they put it at one point five. But we'll see anyway. Um, so you got to make Hertz uncomfortable. And another thing is you would have to disguise the blitz. Everyone knows Steve Spagnola is a guy who loves to blitz. When he's not sure about something, he blitzes. So what's the best thing to do in a situation where you're not sure of what to do and you know you're going to blitz? And let's say Jalen Hurts is probably doing his homework and understanding, hey, he's going to blitz at certain times. Disguise it, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that sounds simple and it's like, oh, yeah, well, genius there. But I mean, it's sometimes you overthink it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so what I'm trying to say is disguise your blitzes a lot more than you're going to show it. And then also show that you're going to blitz and then drop back. I think you need to confuse Hertz early to then make him uncomfortable because if he's not sure if a blitz is coming or if he's not sure that... um if you are going to blitz or not, he's always going to have that second guess of, especially if he's dropping back to throw, okay, I'm not sure if this route's going to be open, so I'm going to have to stare it down a little bit longer, which overall will help your pass rush and overall will help your secondary as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by make Hurts uncomfortable. And then the final thing, exactly what I kind of already alluded to, then you run the football. Running the football is going to be key for the Chiefs. The reason... One of well, one of the big reasons they won that Super Bowl against San Francisco a few years ago was, and I had said it on here, <laughs> so maybe maybe it's just nostalgia, but um, I think it was uh, I want to say Damian Jones, mm-hmm. no, yeah, Damian Williams, that's yeah, who it Damian, was. Williams. Damian Williams, the running back. I said he was going to be their X factor. Mm-hmm. I think that is the same here. Now I don't think they're going to have you know Isaiah Pacheco or or Jarek McKinnon favored. I I mean probably Pacheco more, mm-hmm. but McKinnon is also a big component of this offense, yeah. and so I think they like to use the one-two punch versus like having a traditional just this is our running back, this is our star. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think running is going to be a, a key for the Chiefs win because. It's, especially if you start Mahomes early, mm-hmm. that run game is then going to be that much more effective because the Eagles are going to be like, well, crap, we can't stop the pass. Yeah. So, you know, now we're going to have to kind of cheat a little bit. Then they're going to start running and you're like, well, crap, now we can't stop the run. Mm-hmm. So which one do we go for? So um, that's going to be a real big key for the Chiefs. So, I mean, one and three are kind of a twofer, mm-hmm. but I think it is uh, one of those things that you are really going to need. So. 
Those are my three keys. I think your third key just leads into something perfect, which is if they get that ball rolling to where they're a balanced offense, what does that ultimately open up play action and who does play action benefit yeah. the most? It benefits the tight end, which we already know that you give Kelsey just any sort of room. He's going to make a play <laughs> when that ball's thrown to him. So, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things, Jason Kelsey, right? What was that? <laughs> Jason Kelsey, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Him for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the things that makes this dangerous is the chiefs. When they're on a roll, they could be so multidimensional and, what and another thing too that they've been liking to do is they've been liking to use uh, Kadarius Tony to come out of the backfield, sort of like a uh, Debo Samuel type of player. And because he's a receiver, you have to either honor him by putting a DB on him or a linebacker if you're going to bring him out of the backfield. So not only will he take a carry or two from the primary running backs, but it, he can easily go slip out into the flat and get into open space. So. I think the Eagles will have their hands full, especially if they aren't able to sniff out the play. If they, especially if the chiefs like to get on a long, on a long uh, play drive, which is what they're really good at. I think the Eagles defense is in for a long day. So I don't hate number three. I think that's probably the linchpin in a lot of the, uh, what the chiefs need to do to operate and to come out successful. So, yeah. All right, Cody. Well, we've talked enough football for today. I think we need to talk about what the heck is going on in the NBA. The trade deadline was absolutely <laughs> nuts, man. Um, Drew, I've got some second round picks. How, how many do you want? You want six of them? Apparently four is the going <laughs> rate because everyone, I saw someone tweet. It was funny. They're like, everyone's throwing around fourth round picks like this. And it was a, it was a picture of Oprah going and you get a car and you get a car. So, and that's exactly what it was, man. I mean, everyone was getting a ton of six, second round yeah, picks. They were the hottest one thing, thing flying I off the show. Say, yeah. One thing I did want to say um, that I thought was a really good point. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and he brought up a really good point. He goes, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the next, what, two, um, probably more like three or four years. It's going to be really interesting to see because there's going to be some guys, some teams who are going to have like 15 picks in the draft. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to do with those. I mean, maybe they're going to have a ton of depth. So mm-hmm. maybe they're going to take on these big contracts, um, you know, these like like a Russell Westbrook type contract mm-hmm. where they're going to, you know, just use them and, and, and play them until, you know, the the draft next year. And then they can just let go Westbrook or, you know, whoever it may be. Yeah. And so it's just going to be really interesting to see what teams are going to do because you're not going to be, I mean, you're not going to really be able to draft like seven or eight guys. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not going to be really feasible. So the trades that are going to happen then for it is probably going to be so like little be, just because they, they almost have to get rid of these trades, yeah. like these, these draft picks. So um, he's like, you know, it's the draft picks are not going to be 
worth as much uh, in a few years. And he was like, I'm very interested to see. And I was like, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Like you really just don't know what to expect in the next few years. So yeah, well, it, that'll be fun to watch. Like a team like Utah. I know that they had a, they had an <laughs> early start to like a hot season. They've cooled off and they obviously yeah. traded off a lot of assets and flipped majority of them for first round picks. And we were obviously the Lakers were one of the first round picks that they received because we did take, um, Oh gosh, it wasn't Mike Conley. It was a couple of other players from the jazz primarily, but it also, it essentially helped facilitate the T wolves trade that we got for D'Angelo Russell, which we'll highlight in a little bit, but they have now stacked up like 15 or 16 first round picks over the span of like six or seven years by themselves. So they, Mm -hmm. they are going to have a ton of draft capital. And that's not even to mention the second round picks that they gained too. Cause I think they were one of the teams that got like three or four second round picks as well. So they are going to have themselves probably multiple, multiple just to prove, just to essentially validate Bill Simmons point of having multiple, multiple, uh, you know, picks throughout the draft, whether it's first or the second round. So it's going to be very interesting in the next coming years when these draft picks are ready to, to, you know, happen. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the major, uh, trade that happened first. Um, Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix suns. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people thought he would potentially end up with the Suns. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like with, at least for me, when Kyrie was then traded to the Mavericks, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, I just felt like, okay, they're going to hang on to Kevin Durant, see if they can salvage whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, And then they'll, uh, they'll end up, um, and then they'll end up, you know, uh, making a decision whether they're going to keep him or trade him. And then I figured, okay, there's a possibility it could be the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had been on here notoriously saying, I think the Lakers really need to make a push for him. And I was trying to guarantee it. Of course, I was wrong. But you know what? Um, I think the Lakers still could have done it. Um, it it's kind of interesting with the whole um the owner Cy um he was kind of resentful towards Kyrie and said you're not going to go to the Lakers so i mean it could have been something like that as well where he really resented the Lakers and was just like no i'm not going to trade any of my players over there i mean that's always a possibility but mm-hmm. um you know overall i think this was a good trade for the Suns i think i mean anyone getting Kevin Durant it's a great trade yeah <laughs> okay i mean let's not get that wrong but my only concern with the Suns, and and this kind of goes into the question that we have up now, is who is the favorite to come out of the West? This is my only concern about the Suns. In trading for Kevin Durant, they do lose a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Now, we can say depth when you have Kevin Durant, TJ Warren, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. You're very valid. Okay? Yeah. I'm not saying that these this team is not going to be able to score, you know, 50 points in the first quarter potentially. Mm-hmm. There, there is that potential, but there's also this potential where, you know, we've seen Chris Paul not do so great in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's notorious. We've all made fun of it, and I think he's better than what he's been told. But last year, 
He wasn't fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Devin Booker. First of all, the guy cannot stay healthy. And secondly, he's a defensive liability, which makes me worried. And when he gets, he was on a slump for like two or three games um, in the NBA finals last year. Mm -hmm. So that concerns me because now we've seen him have these big droughts in these big games. Um, Kevin Durant, he's a guy who cannot stay healthy as well. He's been older and he's been a lot more brittle. Now, when he's on the court, I'm not denying that he's fantastic. And I feel like as he's gotten older, his defense has been better. Mm-hmm. TJ Warren, I don't think are going to rely on solely on, on a lot of points. I think he's going to be more uh, defensive prowess type of a guy and, and he's very capable of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't. I don't think he's this like stellar defender. I think he's I think he's good. Um, and then DeAndre Ayton, we saw him. <laughs> everyone was talking about, are the Suns going to re-sign him? Mm-hmm. Now he's good in the regular season. He's not fantastic in my opinion. Um, and then in the playoffs, he really wasn't that effective. And I felt like he could have. Mm-hmm. So I'm very worried about the who the DeAndre Ayton that we're going to see. So though that's my issue that I see with the Suns. And the other thing is, I really like this Nuggets team. Mm-hmm. I think the Nuggets are the team to beat still. I do feel like this Nuggets team defensively is very strong. I feel like offensively, they can actually match a lot of their threes that the Suns could potentially make. I feel like the Nuggets can match. You have guys like Bruce Brown, who's absolutely been playing out of their out of his mind for the last two years. They just acquired Thomas Bryant from the Lakers, who was a really solid, um, you know, bench player. So not only are the Nuggets keeping their core guys, but now they've added more depth, specifically at the center position. Aaron Gordon, I didn't know that he can hit threes now, but apparently he just shoots threes and he can also dunk whenever he wants. <laughs> Jeff Green has had a resurgence with Denver. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but that guy is playing out of his mind. I don't need to say anything about Jokic. We all know he he's freaking ridiculous. Could be MVP Jamal, again. I mean, that's how well he's playing. Yeah. Jamal Murray, he is my wild card. This is the guy that I'm very worried about with the Nuggets because he's extremely good, but he also is a very injury-prone type player. And so... And he's like he's not the greatest defender. I think he's a better defender than Booker. So if those two went head to head, I think Murray could win a couple of those matchups. Um, and then Michael Porter Jr., another guy who does get hurt a lot, but when he is on, this guy makes the weirdest shots. Like the shots that you're like, please don't take that shot. <laughs> he makes those, and you're kind of like, I still didn't like it, but I'm glad he made yeah. it. <laughs> like he makes those every single game, but. I do like Michael Porter Jr. And I actually like Ish Smith, too. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are like, what? Why? But I think he's a really solid uh, bench guard. And I think that does help him. And he can hit a three. Yeah, I mean, that's all I'm looking for with him. And, and he's not a terrible defender. So, to me, I'm still going to say that the um, that the Nuggets are the team to beat. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I really – I think the Suns – or I could see them winning uh, a series against the Nuggets, but mm-hmm. I am going to have to say I think the Nuggets are still the team to beat. 
Well, I can respect that. And I do agree. I think that the Suns did give up a ton in their depth. I mean, Mikel Bridges was essentially a defensive player of the year candidate. Cam Johnson was starting to become, you know, pretty good offensively. And I know that they've gave up a plethora of picks to get Kevin Durant, but here's the thing I will say about the Suns, And my, I think that this makes the Suns the favorites to come out of the West I, over Denver. And uh, I know that you and I were texting about this a couple of nights ago when we heard it happen. But the reason why I think that this makes the Suns um, the best in the West or to come out of the West is because Kevin Durant is universally recognized as one of the best scorers in NBA history. So I feel like even though you lost depth with a couple of players that, you know, were helping in your defense, I think you trade that in and you get essentially a future Hall of Fame type of player in Kevin Durant, who still has a lot left in the tank. Does he get injured? Yes. But I do think that what he would be required to do in in Phoenix is going to be a lot less than what he was asked to do in Brooklyn. He was essentially asked to be the savior in Brooklyn when it was a burning dumpster, you know, like with the whole Ben Simmons not wanting to shoot, Kyrie Irving drama, and then not only that, but the injuries. And then he got injured himself after he was basically playing at an MVP type of level when he went down. So... What I would say is I don't think the Suns would require him to be the guy that needs to bring them 30 to 40 points per night. I think they can spread that out to maybe Devin Booker have his have his shine. Chris Paul will be the great orchestrator that kind of gets everyone uh, in like situated in their roles and stuff. And then you have DeAndre Ayton, who's that young big that can play in the middle. He can also stretch the floor for them uh, on nights where they need to play, you know, five out. And I just think that the Suns will figure this out. I think, you know, you give a couple of games to get everything situated. And I think they're all such smart basketball players that they will figure out a way. However, I, the way that I would address the Suns depth, which I, I think is very, is a, is a good reason why people should be worried is I, if I were the Suns, I would address their issues in the buyout market, which should happen in the next couple of days, maybe next week. A couple of players I would target if I were them would be someone like Danny Green, who's a spot-up shooter that can help alleviate some of the scoring. Uh, the only problem with him is he's coming off of an injury. His defense is suspect at best, so that's one that maybe you might want to think about. Serge Jabaka is probably going to get bought out out of his uh, deal that he just got traded to. He would be a good piece to kind of help stretch the floor, and he's played with Kevin Durant once before. There's also Reggie Jackson that can help bolster the point guard position, so that way if Chris Paul needs to rest a little bit, they have someone that can score coming off the bench. And again, Reggie Jackson and Kevin Durant have played on a team once before. And there's also Terrence Ross from Orlando who's rumored to be going to get bought out which would be a, another score that they can lean on for additional depth. Now it doesn't replace the yeah. defense, but it does mean that as long as that they play, you know, fundamentally sound defense to where, you know, they're not giving up more than what they're, than what they're scoring, they should be okay. I think Phoenix is recognizing that they need to outscore their opponents rather than stop them because Look at what happened in the finals with the bucks. They couldn't stop anybody. They, they needed somebody to help, with the offense because Booker went cold. Aiton was a no show. Chris Paul basically couldn't shoot because he was injured in the prior series uh, of that finals loss. So I think that you bring in someone like Kevin Durant and you, now you have all these weapons that are able to score or get theirs whenever they need to. And in the playoffs, what happens is the court shrinks to where it's a mid range game. It doesn't always come from threes any longer. It'll go kind of mm-hmm. towards the paint in the mid range game. And all of those guys can hit a mid range shot and calls yeah. calls. Don't get, 
you know, blown so ticky tacky, they let you play a little bit. And Aiton would be a good bruiser. He can kick it out to Booker. Kevin Durant is uh, is somebody that likes to go to the rack when it's uh, those type of games. The only thing is, I agree, Chris Paul is kind of the wild card. But I think you take the pressure off of Chris Paul needing to be like a double double type of guy and just have him be the the floor general he is naturally. And I think that they are essentially title favorites, if not the best team to come out of the West, in my opinion. All right. Well, um, we you made some good points. I made some good points. And uh, I think we'll just leave it at that, you know, because yeah. there's other trades that happen, man. I know. And I, so, this one I'm really excited to talk about. <laughs> well, was we kind of already talked about a little bit, Kyrie Irving was traded to the Mavericks. Um, You know, you and I have already kind of talked about this, so I think you and I kind of understand how we're feeling. But uh, I'll let you go first. I mean, like, I mean, overall thoughts on this trade. Like, does this make them better? Does this make them worse? Uh, you know, how are you feeling? I think for the Mavs overall, this does make them better. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a great player, so we'll just take out the the off the court distractions. Bar none, objectively, he is a phenomenal player. He superior ball handler. He's a really good shooter. Uh, he gets open looks. He creates his own shot. I mean, his debut with the Mavs, you saw that not only was he able to be a contributor, but he was able to also be the leading scorer and facilitate the offense, even though that wasn't necessarily the design. He just was comfortable with being able to play make on his own on and off the ball. So for sure, objectively, the Mavericks have gotten better. Now, the curious question is, how is this going to look when Luca and Kyrie are both on the floor? Um, I do think that this, and you'll, I know you'll address this too, their defense is probably the thing that got hit the the, the most, which you know is already bad enough. Luca don't play defense. Now you add another player who, yes, he can get his own shot and create. He does not play defense as well. And so I think that you have two people that basically played no defense. Now you're just outscoring them. I think this is very interesting for the Mavs, though, is how is Luca and Kyrie going to play together, especially on nights where one of them wants to be more ball dominant than the other one. I do think it is encouraging though, that, that uh, Kyrie has already made it known that this is Lucas team and he's basically just here, but I'm more curious when the adversity starts, when you have those controversial losses, when you have, you know, Kyrie or Luca that go cold and they're both competitive people. And then something happens where there's some sort of conflict with the two. And then how does that resolve? And then how does that look? moving forward for the rest of the season. So that's what I would anticipate here. I mean, again, this makes the Mavericks better. I don't know if they make some favorites in the West. I think they have a pretty decent backcourt, not decent. That's disrespectful. They have a very good backcourt, but everything else around them, I question, which is probably why, like, I think Dallas got marginally better, but not that much to where I'm going to say, Oh man, everybody watch out for the Mavs, you know? So that's what I would say about it. You know, I, I'm going to go with, I, I think it doesn't make them better and I don't think it makes them worse. The The issue that I have is, as you had said, it makes their offense better. I mean, now you don't have to solely rely on Luca, you know, which is kind of the reason they ended up, you know, signing Christian Wood. But at the same time, you know, Christian Wood is a little inconsistent. Whereas Kyrie, on the other hand, you know, day in, day out, if his three isn't hitting, He's going to go to the rack or if he just wants to go to the rack, sometimes he'll, he knows that he's going to be able to get there because he is such a great ball handler. Mm -hmm. 
my other issue with this offense, though, would be that Luca wants to have the ball in his hand at all times. So when they're and like, you know, we, I just watched the Mavericks beat the Kings right now. There's no Luca. So, yeah, it, it went fine. The offense ran basically the same way it would if Luca was there, just a smaller guy doing it, right? But now, when you add Luca back into that into that lineup, I feel like that may actually end up slowing up Kyrie a little bit. And you could say, you know, well, he played with Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin Durant is at the stage in his life where he now knows, okay, this is where and when and where I need to pass. I understand the value of passing. This is why LeBron has been so successful for all these years is because he understood the the uh, the passing aspect. Kobe, even when he was younger, was in that stage of, you know, I'm not going to pass the ball. I want it and I want it and I want it. And even when he was older, he was kind of like that, but he understood more, hey, I got I to gotta use my teammates. That's why he went and got a Pau Gasol. That's why he ended up regretting not sticking with, you know, Shaq and all that. So there's, there's a lot of this, um, you know, oh, well, he's done it before. Well, Kevin Durant is in a different stage in his career than what Luca is. Luca is still in the stage of, okay, last year everyone were, was put on <laughs> that Luca could be an MVP candidate. Luca hasn't gotten that second contract yet. So... <laughs> He is kind of essentially playing for, okay, I'm trying to get the most money. I'm trying to be a superstar here. I still have won an MVP. I want to win an MVP. So he's still kind of more in the, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. He's in the more of the, I'm, you know, in in the individual stage of his career where I got to show off who I am. I got to show what I can do. And Kyrie, now he's going to be a guy who's going to be, I think, is going to be the guy who will be more willing to pass Mm -hmm. than what Luca is. So overall, I do think that that can work. And I think Luca will like it in terms of Kyrie will kind of give him a little bit of time off without the ball. You know, he can just kind of, you know, take some offensive possessions um, off. Mm -hmm. But overall, like when it's a big game, it's going to be hard to kind of get Kyrie into a groove if Luca is ball dominant. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, from the Mavericks, I want Luca to be happy, not really Kyrie. Right. <laughs> you know? So that's my concern. Also, defensively, as you had said, the, Kyrie has no intention on playing defense. Luca has, I, I don't even think he lifts a pinky when it comes <laughs> no. to defense. I mean, he abs- I mean, he gets burned every time. I'm like, dude, at least make it look like you're trying. Like, that would bug me so much, but whatever. Uh, and then Christian Wood, you know, I, I like him as a player. I really do. But, you know, he has times where he doesn't look great. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of inexperience that he still um, doesn't have. And and so I'm just – I think it kind of develops more questions for me yeah. personally than it – does say you know i i understand the offense is better but i feel like the defense is even worse now Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that great to begin with and now um you add on top of how are they going to work with each other i think this is a very um 
this is a question I that I feel like isn't being asked enough. And, um, you know, that's my concern. So I'm okay if the Mavericks, you know, go on and win the NBA Finals, which I don't know how they would get past the Suns or the Nuggets right now. Yeah. But regardless, like, if they ended up winning, I'll say I'm wrong. But overall, I just... I don't see this making that big of a leap for the Mavericks. I don't see it making them any better or any worse. Yeah. So I think they they made a trade that literally didn't do anything for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I can get that. All right. So the last trade that I want to talk about, Cody, is uh, the Lakers finally, finally getting rid of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I felt so bad for LeBron becoming the scoring champ. And congratulations, by the yeah. way. I'm surprised we went 50 minutes into this and we haven't said anything about LeBron. Listen, LeBron James becoming the scoring leader and people are still poo-pooing on it. Like, you're just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you need to relax and just admit, hey, he's the scoring champ. <laughs> There's nothing... There's nothing wrong with saying he's the scoring champ. You're not saying, oh, he's the best ever. That's what I, it's funny because, you know, there, of course, these people who are saying LeBron's the GOAT, LeBron's the GOAT, which I think you have a point yeah. at, at some points. And I also understand the Jordan, you know, and I'm not going to go into the debate, but it just, it's kind of funny because everyone goes, um, oh, well, Kobe wouldn't have stopped mid-game. And I was like, I'm 100% certain that it wasn't LeBron was like, if I score it, we're going to stop the whole game. Yeah. I'm sure it was Adam Silver who said, hey, if he does it, let's stop. Yeah, 100%. So I'm sure it wasn't LeBron. I'm sure LeBron was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And they're just like, he was going to have his moment. I, I don't even know if he knew that Kareem was going to come onto the court and hand him a ball. Like he just kind of looked like he was, he was so oblivious that he said the F word on yeah. live TV. <laughs> like he, so, he didn't even have like really a speech prepared. And he, yeah. he essentially dropped the F bomb on national television, which was great <laughs> by the way. Oh man, that was so funny. Anyway. So I, I just, congratulations to LeBron James. He did a great job. Yeah. So, um, and it's going to be crazy that this guy, I think we need to talk about this next week because there's, there's so much more I want to say. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that right now, but congratulations to LeBron. All right, Cody. So Westbrook finally traded. And this is why I got on the LeBron topic was because he was God off. Yeah. In that he's game. pretty bad. In that game, he was turning the ball over left and right. And this is what we were worried about when Westbrook came. Now, I had thought that there is a possibility that Westbrook would make this work. And when he ended up agreeing that he was going to come off the bench, I thought, hey, now there you go. Now you finally had someone buy in. And for a while, it actually was working. Mm -hmm. It actually was. It was it was looking really good. Then Anthony Davis got hurt. So then they kind of threw Westbrook back in and he was just back to old Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of funny because he's kind of like acting like, oh, I deserve this. I'm deserved of this. And, you know, I should be getting all of this. And listen, Russell Westbrook is a phenomenal player. Mm -hmm. And in his prime, I wanted him on. I wanted him as a Laker. We unfortunately got him towards the end of his career. And I'm sorry 
He's at the end of his career. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to say, whoa, when Westbrook was getting a triple-double, we were all, you know, saying, oh, it's not that impressive, blah, blah, blah. But now Jokic is doing it because he's what? Listen, I really don't think that's what it is. I really think it's because Westbrook was, it was egregiously obvious that he was telling teammates, I'm going to get the rebound or you know, you know, yeah. he, he had to get the assist, not the other teammates. And, you know, or he had to have the ball in his hand, which, uh, you know, for majority of the teams, he was the right guy to have it. So I, I do I do agree with all of that. But here's the thing. Russell Westbrook is not that guy anymore. And he's still the guy who turns the ball over. And this is another thing that a lot of people couldn't wrap their brain around. This guy averages like 12 11, 12 turnovers a game. Yeah. Like, if you had that as a team, that's bad. <laughs> Imagine that as, in a, as a just one player. Mm-hmm. So, I love Russell Westbrook. I, I own a pair of his shoes. <laughs> like, I've bought a pair of his shoes. I love Russell Westbrook. I love the way he plays. The I love how he approaches the game. I love how he uh, attacks the game. I love it. But let's be real. As an NBA player, he's not what he once was. He shouldn't be getting $30 million a year. Like, that's no question. And he didn't fit with LeBron because he wanted to be ball dominant. He probably fit with Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is not ball dominant. Mm -hmm. He's more of, I can play off the ball. And so that's what I was kind of thinking it might work out. But unfortunately, it didn't. And... Um, listen, I wish him all the best, but he was he was killing the Lakers. And what I think the Lakers did so smartly, and here we go finally talking about the trade mm-hmm. or trades, is they went defense and guys who can shoot. D'Angelo Russell is not a defender, so I'm not going to pretend that. But he at least is a fantastic three-point shooter where Westbrook would be wide open on a three and absolutely airball it. And you're just like, dude, you can't even get close anymore. Like, what is going on? So with D'Angelo Russell, he is a guy who you can rely on to hit a three when he is open. And trust me, LeBron will get him open Mm -hmm. and pass to him, and you're going to see a lot more threes being made for the Lakers. Then you have Malik Beasley, another guy who can hit a three, but now you're adding defense now you're adding a 3 and D guy, mm-hmm. which they are desperate for. Mo Bamba is another guy who um, is a great defender. And he's a guy who actually can hit a few shots, too. Mm-hmm. So you replace him uh, him coming off the bench for Anthony Davis or, you know, even if they have him start, which I don't, I really doubt they're going to do that. Yeah. But, you know, he's a guy who, who can do some things for them and I think they're not going to ask him to do a ton like the how the magic were kind of hoping he would be and so I think he actually will fit really well with the Lakers and then you look at Jared Vanderbilt this guy um, I actually have him on my fantasy team which is funny um, and he was you were saying you were like he's kind of a guy who's like you know score you nine points get you eight rebounds and it was funny that you said that because the day before he literally got nine <laughs> points eight rebounds <laughs> six assists but he's a defender yeah. and that's what the lakers needed and he's a guy who who can make some buckets but again he doesn't have the high pressure of oh you know this is a young team or whatever now he's on a team that has a lot of veterans who know what they're doing so all he has to do is do what they 
traded for him for. Yeah. All they need him to do is play defense, score a couple of buckets here and there, grab a few rebounds, get some assists while you're in, do what is needed, and you're you're good. You'll be a Laker legend yeah. at that point. So I, I really like what the Lakers did at the, at the trade deadline. And, and you have the question posted, are the Lakers a playoff team? I actually think they are. And I actually do think, and I know you may think this is crazy, but I do think that they're actually a team I believe could beat a Dallas Mavericks team who is in the playoff right now. So for me, I think the Lakers did so much that they could actually be, um, I would say they could potentially be a top six team. It might be too little too late for mm-hmm. that. So I think they're at least going to get in the play in, t- uh, in the play in. Um, but I think if they do win in their play in um, playoff games, I think they could do some damage, honestly. Hey everybody, it's Cody with Drew Code Sports Talk. We want to give a special shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring our podcast. SeatGeek is a ticketing app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek is known for using a 0 to 10 scale when you're purchasing tickets to let you know if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal. And it lets you know right at the time of purchase. And right now they're giving our listeners $20 off when you use our promo code DREWCODE at the time of checkout. So go to the link in the description or download the app. Don't forget to use our promo code DREWCODE to get $20 off your first order. And we hope to see you at the next game yeah so first i'll i'll touch base on the westbrook thing as well as what you touched on i think i think westbrook would have worked for the lakers if he was a prototypical point guard that had some shooting ability i think the fact that he made a lot of his reputation and it got a lot of triple doubles by being aggressive going downhill um you know going to the basket uh, you know, he wasn't always known for being an outside shooter or a three point shooter. Uh, so that was questionable. I think what the optimistic optimism was for the Lakers was that maybe Westbrook would be willing to dish the ball out and then help create that way. And it takes the load off of LeBron. But I think what, I think what people didn't realize is that Westbrook would also somewhat be a player that was so ball dominant that he would not do what was right for the team, which was give up the ball. Don't shoot, you know, find an open man because there'd be times where Westbrook is trying to create offense on his own and he's not moving the ball around. He's not doing what he can to create a better shot for others. And he's putting up bad shots. I remember there's a couple of games and there's several games. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I miss, but there was one game in particular that he was going against somebody at home and he had had three consecutive shots. Two of them were consecutive attempted bank shots off the backboard. And he missed on both of them. Not even close. It was bad. It wasn't like, Oh, it rattled out. No, it was a complete whiff. He barely hit the backboard. It bounced off. It was a horrible shot. And then he tried doing it again on the opposite side of the glass. <laughs> and again, it didn't work. And I know that there's probably more plays that that happened, but it was it just showed like that shot's not working. We need to move the ball around more. We need to create offense in other ways, maybe penetrate and see if you can create an opening that way. But I think too, there's a video that I've just seen recently. That's kind of going around social media that kind of sums up the Lakers um, chemistry with LeBron, AD and Westbrook, where it's LeBron James is basically it's, I think it's after a win and LeBron is basically saying, I think the quote is let's get greedy guys. In other words, let's keep being hungry. Let's keep, you know, clawing at wins. Let's, let's get, let's get greedy on that. 
And here you have Westbrook on the other end of the locker room saying, Hey guys, let's just have fun though. Like win, lose, draw. We're just out here to have fun. And it's kind of like, you know, in LA for the Lakers, that's not the mindset to just have fun. You can go have fun in Houston, go have fun in Oklahoma city, go have fun in Washington where they're not winning championships. But here in LA for the Lakers, you win championships because Kobe Bryant never cared to have fun on the Lakers. He was all about championships. I know that LeBron gets a lot of flack for losing championships, um, but he's been to 10 finals and he's won four of them, not because they had fun, but because they, they worked to get to the championship. And I, Michael Jordan never had the whole, let's have fun guys. He was strictly about, we're going to win this one way or the other. Like we, I will die on this court before I let you win essentially was his motivation. So I just think that like that clip I've seen recently, sums up what it was like to have Westbrook on the Lakers. I'm not sure if Westbrook really took to heart the dedication, sacrifice, and what you have to do to get to a championship pedigree to where you're hungry for that, to where your motivation is to win a championship. If you're still like, I just want to have fun, I want to do me, hey, that's great. Just the Lakers aren't your team then. And I think that was a huge shock to LeBron, who, if everyone remembers, LeBron basically, you know, adamantly wanted Westbrook on the team. And that's why we have no, we had no assets, no cap space, no draft picks to get Westbrook on the team. And it was kind of an utter disaster. So anyways, I'm saying, I I think Westbrook gets a bad rap for how he was, but I agree with you, Drew though. Like he's probably towards the end of his career. I don't know of how many teams are going to be looking to sign him the way he plays. I know there's rumors to have the Clippers uh, interested in him or the bills or not the bills, the bulls interested in him. If he gets a buyout in, uh, in Utah. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but you know, Russell, Russell Westbrook could be like another version of like Carmelo Anthony, who Carmelo Anthony basically is out of the league because his game just didn't fit with now the modern game. Now Carmelo Anthony's come on the record that he's changed that to where he's a a better player that would fit more in a better system, but he was out for like a season or two because his game just didn't fit what now the NBA is, which is spreading the ball around shooting the three and this, that, and the other. And I think Westbrook is finding himself in that predicament where he'll probably be off of roster next season unless he changes his game. So, so that's all I'm going to say about the Westbrook thing, but I do love the trades that the Lakers did, especially giving up Beverly, which I was never a fan of when we signed him in the off season. So I was extremely happy to see that he's out the door because probably the worst player on the Lakers other than Westbrook, at least Westbrook can contribute offensively. Beverly wasn't doing anything for us. And I know that he's supposed to be a defensive specialist, he was not doing any of that. There was a Laker game recently where he literally caused the Lakers to give up a technical foul because he got a dumb camera, put it in front of the ref's face to show like this is a foul or not a foul or whatever the case is. And he got a technical for that. And it essentially did not help the Lakers and their basically ultimately lost the game. And I don't want to say that Beverly was a reason for that, but he didn't help the win. And he hasn't had too many shining moments to say like the Lakers signing him was a smart deal. Like I was never a fan of Beverly cause he couldn't shoot and he's not that great of a defender. He was still like getting outplayed on the, de- on the defensive end. So I'm glad that he's gone, but I am, I agree with everything you said with Mo Bamba, um, with, uh, D'Angelo Russell Beasley. And then we also did get uh, a shooter from the nuggets and Reed. Uh, not only that, but we have uh, 
Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but we also have um, Hashimura, mm. who is also a great shooter. And all of these guys, coincidentally, are all having career high in three-point shooting, which is great because not only they're lengthy, oh, yeah. they're younger, they're playing better defense, and they can hit an open shot when needed, which is what helps surround LeBron, which makes him the best. Um, I would like to see like the Lakers maybe pick up um, you know, another player in the buyout. I think Danny green has been rumored back with the Lakers. If he gets bought out in his deal with Houston. So I think that would be great because that's another three point shooter that already has experience on being with the Lakers. And not only that, <laughs> but the way that Darvin Ham's offense runs, it would kind of fit into Danny green's uh, style. So I look forward to that, but I do think that this makes the Lakers a playoff team. I don't know if I would say like they're in the upper echelon. I would say like, there may be an eighth or a seventh seed. Definitely in the play-in playoffs, like without going in the play-in is going to be really difficult. I trust that depending on who they get seated with, they may have a really good shot at a first round uh, series victory. But as they get deeper in the playoffs and you play like stronger teams, like the Suns, um, Nuggets, Clippers, I would even be a little worried about because they also got better. Um, you know, uh, I think there's another team, the Warriors, when they get healthy, they're a team that I would worry about as well. I mean, defending champions, you can't ever discount them, especially when they have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole and Green. So I, I think the Lakers have immensely improved. I'd love to see what they look like on Saturday when they play the Warriors. Um, but yeah. I think what makes this tough is they're already kind of behind the eight ball where they're outside of the play-in uh, contention. Luckily, the teams that they have to get past, which is like, Utah, um, the thunder. Um, and I think there's one other team They're They basically sold off most of their assets. So if we play our cards, right, we could take over their position. I don't know if the blazers got better. I think that they will slip a little bit. I think, um, the Kings will slip a little bit. I don't think the Kings will slip out of playoff contention, but I think they're going to slip a little bit. And I think as the season comes closer to playoff time, the Lakers roster will start coming up and then playoff LeBron comes up. And I do think that as long as him and AD can stay healthy, they will be a really surprising team when playoffs roll on. But I do think that this makes them a playoff team. Yeah. Um, couldn't agree more. I think, I think they are definitely better. Um, I kind of hope they don't get Danny green just because <laughs> He was okay with us, but, um, you know, he wasn't reliable. Now, exactly what you said, he would be um, a guy who can hit an occasional three. He's a guy who's done it before. Although his defense hasn't been as good as it used to be, he still is a smart defender, so he does know, um, you know, his strengths and weaknesses, which is already half the battle. So, um, you know, eventually I, I think it could I, it could be pretty good, yeah. but... You know, of course, we'll we'll have to. All right, see Drew. So that. before we wrap, I agree. All right, man. Well, before um, we wrap, do you have I'll, any highlights that stand out to you okay. with your time as uh, being involved with the Singer West Hornets? And any highlights, anything that stands out to you and your experience and all the fun you had? I know that we talked about it a little bit earlier at the top of the show, but do you have any really good highlights that you'd love to share?
Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll share this. The, the game that I will always remember, um, I, well, I guess it's two games, um, was the first game that I was coaching that we ended up winning. Uh, you know, we played, uh, Madeira South and, um, we, it was actually, uh, at home and they played an extraordinarily great game. Um, we never let them got com- get comfortable. Um, uh, we never let them get comfortable offensively. Uh, we did a lot of, uh, press break and we, it was actually, it was funny because, at the start of the game before mm-hmm. we had just worked on our press and the girls were like, ah, I don't know. We're not very confident in it, in it. And so towards the end of the game before we started just doing the press just to see how they, and they did phenomenal. Like they understood it and we were like, why were, why did you guys say you weren't confident? And they're like, I don't know. We just hadn't done it yet. And we weren't sure. And, we're like, well, we're definitely going to do that. So when we played Madeira South, we did mm-hmm. it, and um, it was it was a game changer for us. I mean, it really worked well for us, and it does help that the girls that we have, um, you know, we have a couple of girls who are more, uh, you know, more like centers or you know, power forward type type. So you know, they're not uh, as fast, but we had a lot of girls who who could run. Um, or who weren't afraid to run and, and go play defense, um, which really helped us, especially in, in press when, you know, if you get beat, uh, you got to come back and, and play some defense, and they always did that. So, um, you know, I remember watching that, and rebounding, shooting was phenomenal. I mean, we just did a – we had a fantastic, fantastic game in that. And uh, so that was my first win that I got as a coach – and um, so I'll always remember that one. But the one that I will really remember, the one that really stands out is actually we played a game on Tuesday, this Tuesday. Uh, we played a team called Matilda Torres High School. And uh, they're a very new high school as well, just kind of like how we are. But they've kind of been a little bit more established. They've They've kind of been a school a little bit longer. And so when we got there... Um, we had two practices that just weren't the energy wasn't there. It just seemed like the girls knew that the year was coming to an end, you know, all that jazz. And so coach cell and I, um, were kind of like, okay, you know, we know how they could play, but we also know how practice has been. So we were kind of like, all right, you know, we're really hammering. Let's get that energy. Let's get that energy. Let's do it on defense. Yada, yada, yada. And what did they do? They had their best game I had ever seen them play. Like, I'm not even joking. They, re- I mean, we couldn't be stopped on the rebounds. Um, defensively, we were making them so frustrated. They could not get a shot off half the time. Um, offensively, we had a girl oh, who wow. scored, I, I think she scored 21 points in that game. Um and and she's usually our shooter anyway, so but she had never gone over twenty, so that was huge for her. Um, <laughs> we would get fouled, and we made our free throws, which we never do. Um, 
and just it was it was just a fantastic game. I mean, defensively, I cannot tell you. There was one girl that we had our uh, number thirteen. I, I won't say any names, but number thirteen, she <laughs> absolutely she swatted four girls. I mean, and when I say swatted, I mean she was side arming just absolutely throwing them in the stands. I mean, she was destroying some of these girls on their shots. So it was great. Um, some girls who, who don't normally score a lot, they ended up scoring. I think we had everyone score. I think maybe, maybe only one didn't get a point. Um, and, um, it honestly, it was because, uh, she was playing such good defense that by the time she got on offense, uh, we had already ran. We had already kind of started the offense, so she was just kind of like there if we needed her, and she had a couple of shots. It's not, it's not like she didn't, but um, it was our best game we had. I had ever seen them, and I know Coach Sell. Well, he'll probably admit it, but um, when uh, <laughs> he knew it because he was so excited, we went into this little closet area because. Uh, they didn't have like a locker room for us to go into. They had locked it. So, and uh, you, we were, you know, still in this in the arena. So he was like, "Hey, let's go in here real quick. Let's have a, like a quick team meeting." And we went into this room, closed the door, and we just screamed for like five minutes. We were just like, "Yeah, yeah, way to go, everyone!" Whoa, just so pumped because we all knew that was the best game we had played, and um, I'll never forget that because that was. That was something special because I remember going into it going, man, I'm not sure how how we're going to play. Our, our practices haven't been that good. Um, everyone showed up. Everyone played their hearts out. And it was just, you, you know, like as a parent, you, you kind of start understanding like how it feels to see your kids succeed. But like as a coach, yeah. you didn't. I didn't think it was gonna feel kind of the same way, and it and it does. Like it was so cool to see basically everyone contribute, and like every time we had a timeout, every time uh, you know uh, the quarter ended or whatever, <laughs> they were coming over, and I was like, "Hey, you did a great job defensively. Keep doing that. You know, hey, keep shoot that ball, shoot that ball. You're wide, you know." And it was just it. I, I, it was just so great yeah. to be positive the whole time and not be like, Hey, you know, you're getting burned here. You know, we, we need you to step back a little bit. Like they just, it was finally, everything came together and, uh, worked out. And so that was really cool. And I felt bad because our last game, we ended up mm -hmm. losing by four points and it was because of some ticky tacky calls. Of course we turned the ball over a lot too. So I'm not, I'm not saying it was the refs. I'm, I, I, yeah. I now know that there's other things you can do <laughs> to win games and and not also complain about the refs. Like it really wasn't about the refs, but we did have a few late calls that were that were funny. But um, mm -hmm. another story that I have is um, that same girl number thirteen. Um, <laughs> we had all seen it was this last game here too. We had all seen that. Um, uh, the uh -huh. ball went out and they called it out on 13 and she was like, no, it never touched me. And so we're over there too. us as coaches were like, no, 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 it didn't touch her. <laughs> and, um, the ref said, yes, it hit off her leg. <laughs> she looked at the ref and goes, you're a liar. 
<laughs> and right away got teed up. Right away got a technical foul for it. But we were dying. We thought that was so funny. And yes, the girl made both of her free throws, unfortunately. Um, and it was at the it was towards the end of the game. So of course it did hurt us a little bit, but it was just it's just so her. If you if you knew who who she was, you would just understand that was her. And you know what? Yeah. It was kind of <laughs> one of those things that we were like, you know, points were made. You know, she was she was not wrong about that for sure. So, um, so we weren't we weren't really that upset about it. And um, that was her first technical. I think that was our first technical on a player if i'm not mistaken uh, there might have been one but that was her at least her first technical and it was just it was just so her it was so funny so i'll never forget that um and of course i'm i'm not going to forget about the girls but you know they're going to be pretty much back all back next year we might have a couple of mm-hmm. different girls on the team as well because uh we'll have a new freshman class but um you know uh, it, it was something special. I'm really glad I got to be a part of it and I'm going to be on here and get a little sentimental here, but I want to give a shout out to coach cell. He was gracious enough to have me go on there. Um, and just jump in in the middle of the year and like try and help out as much as I could. He didn't know who I was. I had talked to him a couple of times about some sports. Um, and he was so willing to allow me to get like give me a chance, see how I did. He allowed me to run a practice by myself uh, one of the days, and you know just trusted me a lot more than he probably should yeah. have. To be honest, <laughs> uh, not saying I was bad. I'm just saying like I was a stranger to him, and he really relied on me on a lot of things. And and I appreciate him giving me the opportunity. I appreciate him um, doing. Uh, just allowing me to be me and like really working. And, and I also really enjoyed that him and I kind of had the same mentality. I mean, it was, and I think it came to, there's one time he was like, Hey, who would you have as your starting five? If it was varsity and JV, who mm-hmm. would your starting five be? And ours was basically similar minus one player. And so we were like, okay, so we're kind of on the same page here. And after that, I felt like we really clicked. We really understood each other, what we were looking at, um, that we're all seeing the same thing. I think I, he's more of a defensive guy than, mm-hmm. than I am. I think he understands defense a lot better than I do. And, of course, I'm still learning, so I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not like that coach, of course. So <laughs> it's okay if I say that. Uh, if he said that, yeah, that would be, that'd be something bad. But um offensively he really was like hey you know what are you seeing you know what are you seeing here and he was he always included me um every game he's like hey what did you see in that in that quarter or or what did you see in the half or you know uh you know what are you seeing from this player or what are you seeing from that player and just always included me and he really didn't have to he could have just done it himself and and um but i i really appreciate what he's doing and mm-hmm. and I, I gotta tell you what he's doing with this team is phenomenal. He is doing a fantastic job. Um he I mean it wasn't even his first choice mm-hmm. was was to coach basketball. He really wanted to coach softball, which he is. Um but he ended up taking this and to see the passion that he has uh, the relationship that he has with the girls, um, 
the understanding of, listen, that we're not going to win all of our games, but we're going to sure as hell be a tough mm-hmm. team that no one wants to play because all we do is play hard. And you know what? He got them to buy into that, and they all play hard. We had a girl on our team who had a separated shoulder in the middle of the year, and she had been continuing to play with it and just wrapping it up, tightening it. She had it fall out like two more times. And she was like, no, I want to play. And we were like, no, you need to get it cleared. And the doctor would clear her. And so we were like, okay, are you sure you want to play? Yes, I want to play. I want to play. And I was like, I told her, I said, I I can't tell you how much that means that you're this committed to this team. And I really respect the hell out of you for doing that. And so, and then there's another girl who had not ever really played basketball and she all she does at practice is just practice her shots Mm -hmm. practice her shots of course you know doing our drills as well but like when we have a break she's just shooting before practice after practice before a game after a game (laughs) and she was one of the girls that we relied on to make a bucket Uh after at the end of the year and unfortunately she ended up getting a concussion uh the last two weeks and so she had to miss the last two weeks but it's just I can go on and on about all these girls because I've seen how hard they work and like where they've come. And we've had, we've had a ton of girls who had not played before and we relied on them to defensively. We relied on them offensively. We relied on them to get rebounds. We relied on them to uh, really hold down the fort. If you know, the starter was in there or whatever. And, they all did a fantastic job, and I'm pretty sure everyone started at least five games each. Like everyone had to start, everyone had to play. Uh, we only had eight total, eight total girls mm-hmm. on our team, and like I said, we had two girls who were basically out. <laughs> so we were basically working with six, maybe six and a half, if you want to say that. And the, all they did was play so hard. So um, I really appreciate Coach Sell for allowing me uh, to coach. And like I said, he had already told me I'm not going anywhere. He wants me to continue. So I really appreciate him having that confidence in me and, and uh, continuing to, to let me do this and, uh, you know, continue to live out a dream. So appreciate that shout out to singer west i mean i could thank a ton of people and i've already gone too long but i just want to say thank you to everyone in that uh basketball organization and at that school who have been more than gracious enough and of course the girls have (laughs) just been phenomenal to me to allow some stranger again who they've kind of seen at the at the booth uh announcing their names and now now i'm coaching them and and they, <laughs> without a beat, just was like, okay, cool. All right, let's go into practice. And, like, like it was nothing. So really appreciate all that. And um, I'm really excited about continuing to do it. Well, congrats, Coach. I can't wait to hear more about the uh, the uh, the club – not the clubs. What is it? The uh, spring and summer ball and all the practices and games in between, man. So, anyways, yeah. congrats. And thank you for giving us those highlights. Yeah. Those it was so, really, really cool. So – why don't you close this out? Yeah. Sorry it went long, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a long, it's been a long season. Yeah. So, uh, I have a ton of stories for it. So, 
All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for listening to all my shows or all my shows. Good Lord. (laughs) All my stories. (laughs) I'm ready to go to bed. Um, (laughs) So thank you guys very much for bearing with us. But um, we appreciate it. And we're happy to be back. Uh, I know I am. I've been itching to do this, as you can probably tell. I've been just spewing out nothing but long sentences, so I'm very sorry. But anyway, thank you guys for listening and joining us. Uh, Also, you know, go check out our uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we are also on TikTok. So go check all those out and, um, you know, follow us or, you know, I think think it's all follow on that one. YouTube is the one that you have to subscribe to and also subscribe to um, all the major uh, podcasts as well. Um, like and comment on our videos and also, um, you know, tell a friend about our podcast. We always want to, um, we always want to, you know, obviously grow. Um, and please, if you have time, rate and review on the podcast, uh, five star, one star, honestly, anything helps because we want to know, uh, how to get better. So if it is a one star, let us know what you didn't like so we can build on that. Uh, and if it is a five star, uh, let us know what you like about it so we can continue to build on it from there. So thank you guys so much. Um, and, um, you know, we have our partners over at FNX fit, uh, where you can get, uh, 15% off by using our promo code, which will be in the description, in the podcast, in the, uh, YouTube, um, description and all that jazz. So go check that out. Um, also seat geek. Um, where you can get $20 off of your first purchase by using um, the link that we have in the description as well. And then also uh, go check out Fanatics. Again, use our links, uh, which will will uh, help us a, a ton. Um, so go check all that out. I actually just bought um, a uh, Mercedes-Benz hat. Yeah. For F1, for the F1 season using our link. I don't know if it came through, but anyway, I was really excited because I've been wanting to buy a hat for a while and they had a 70% uh, off sale. So I was like, oh, I'm going to capitalize on this because, uh, you know, F1 is coming. And I don't know, man, I might have to talk some F1 on the show for sure. I know. But anyway, go do all that. I'm sure I uh, butchered a lot of this, but. Uh, thank you guys so much and I'm going to give it to Cody to uh, finish it off well forgive Drew if he's a little rusty he's been out of it for a couple of weeks but there's a reason why there's technology because if you guys go to DrewCoatSportsTalk.com all the links to what Drew just said regarding our partners uh, the podcast the YouTube channel anything and everything that you guys need is going to be on that website you guys can also again like drew said follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok um you know youtube all that stuff all that he said in repeat you can find that at drewcodesportstock.com or in the link in the description so we are going to be bound out for the night thank you everyone for listening drew welcome back man thank you so much for sharing stories and your experience of being uh, a coach for the sanger west hornets not only are you the voice of the hornets but you're a coach of the hornets so you're a jack of all trades and uh again super proud of you man so we will bid everyone adieu and we will see you guys next week go eagles super bowl i have the eagles and if you don't you're a loser okay bye everybody well i i can't say go chiefs because that's just blasphemy but i will say this go hornets there we go go hornets on three one two three go hornets Hornets.